Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on Newstalk. Now, the UCD Smurfit Business School is celebrating this morning. It's had a decent jump up the tables in the Financial Times rankings for education of business executives. So what better time than now to have a chat about what's going on in executive education? Helen Brophy is Director of UCD Smurfit Executive Development and is here with me in studio. Morning, Helen. Morning, Gavin. You've seen, I think, a, a fair jump in demand for your services since the pandemic arrived. So why is that? Well, I, I think what the pandemic has done is really accelerated the need for upskilling in this new way of working in terms of, you know, the whole transformation of the workplace. And I think it has brought some key issues to the forefront in terms of the need for really strong leadership and adaptive leadership. You know, looking at digital transformation, the pandemic has really accelerated, you know, the pace of that and the pace of change. Uh, So managing change successfully and effectively, looking at how how do we attract talent? How do we retain them? Retention is a is a key one at the moment for organisations. So how do we do that? And so investing in executives themselves, in their learnings, in how they can help that transformation of the organisation is really important. And then you have other topics, you know, diversity and inclusion. Uh, the whole EDI agenda is really important, looking at business sustainability and looking at resilience and well-being became really important during the pandemic. So these themes are here to stay and it's really an acceleration of that trend. Is it harder to teach people effectively when you have to do it virtually? I presume a lot of your courses would have had to go online. Uh, during everything, the lockdown, everything had to go online, absolutely. But it's amazing how we've all adapted. And actually, there are some real advantages to being online, you know, and there's different types of online learning. So what we do is what we call live virtual, which means you're in a live classroom online. Uh, and actually for participants, you know, there's flexibility around that. So we don't see online learning moving back to the way it was before the pandemic. There, there are real advantages for people who like to come in person. But there are also real advantages if you want that flexibility, if it's easier to be online from home, if you're not, for example, close to the campus. So that demand is going to continue. And what we're going to see really is a whole evolution, I suppose, of how executives learn going into the future. Well, that's probably an opportunity for you guys, isn't it? You can probably take more people on if you don't have to have them in the building. Well, it's it's a great opportunity, having said that. And probably charge the same fees as well. Well, I wouldn't say that, Gavin, but what I would say is that what's really important is that you maintain the standard and the quality of the classroom. So, for example, you know, even in our online classes, you know, we still restrict the number to about 30, 35 max. So that's important because, you know, if an executive is to have a really good learning experience, they need to have that capacity to be able to participate, to engage with the faculty, to speak directly to their peers. You can't do that once you go over a certain number. So, yes, there are certainly online courses out there with much, much larger numbers in the group. But it's one of our quality assurance standards that we would keep our numbers to a certain level. Yeah, it's like the the pupil teacher ratio you hear about in in, in primary education, secondary education, for example. You mentioned kind of some of the hot areas that that, um, companies want their executives to learn about. The whole resilience and well-being thing is quite interesting because there's a lot of people are a bit sceptical about it. Sometimes they think all these millennials out there, they're just snowflakes in the office and they need to toughen up and just, (laughs) uh, just deal with it. So let's talk a bit more about what 
the tips would be uh, for for managers who want to foster uh, resilience and, and well-being uh, amongst their staff? Well, certainly resilience and well-being is not specific to any spe- any you know particular generation like the millennials. It was something that organisations realised during COVID had to come to the forefront. So from the very senior levels, from the top in the organisation, right down to those that were just joining. Resilience really is about the organisation actually taking time to understand what's going on with their employees, actually thinking about how do they make their conditions more manageable, particularly, I guess, during the pandemic when people were forced to work at home, you know, with child caring difficulties, you know, looking after older parents. It affected every generation. So I think organisations now realise that that, you know, the whole focus on well-being, mental health, resilience it's part. It's not something that you can leave outside the workplace because it's actually a fundamental part of people's productivity. So if you want to increase productivity, you've got to have people who are resilient and are feeling good about themselves. And so organisations are now taking that on as a responsibility. Yeah, so it's more to do with enabling people, I suppose, to do their best work in, in terms of their day-to-day responsibilities rather than send them out a box with, I don't know, um, food or, or, or stuff like that in it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, of course, those those gest- they're gestures, they're nice gestures. But if your culture of your organisation is that's, that you don't really care about your employees, um, that's, you know, that's a huge retention issue. And what we're seeing, you know, in the US with this great resignation, it's more, you know, what I would call the great evaluation. And it's happening here as well, where people are looking at organisations and saying, well, you know, do, do I buy into their values? What are their values? What is the culture? How am I going to be treated? And um, the jobs market is is very hot at the moment, and there are plenty of opportunities for people. So, if you want to retain uh, your talent, you've you've got to do more than just gestures. You've got to actually mean it. There's got to be substance. There's got to be depth behind it, and people see that, and that builds loyalty, and it also builds yeah. a culture then where people thrive better. I'm sure we've lots of people listening this morning who are trying to improve in what they do and in, in terms of managing people and things like that. So if you had some tips, maybe two or three tips for people on what they can do in general just to be a better boss. Well, management and leadership are, are always challenging. That's the first thing. They're never easy because you're dealing with people and invariably, you know, there's always going to be challenges. But there a couple of key tips from me would be Firstly, you know, we start with actually looking at ourselves. So our own self-awareness, how aware are we of our style, of what's our leadership style? How do we manage people? How do we communicate? So emotion intelligence has really come to the forefront over the last decade. And it's not, uh, you know, dealing with emotions per se. It's actually having some of the critical skills that go along with management. So, for example, the ability to listen, the ability to have empathy. Uh, to be not uh, accepting of of all the excuses. Uh, It's not necessarily to agree with somebody, but at least to have empathy, to understand, put yourself in their shoes. Where are they coming from? And then in terms of, you know, the pace of change and the challenges that people have right now at the moment across all organisations, how can you stand back? How can you take time to think, to reflect? Because we're so all so busy. It's Monday morning. Everybody's on their way to work. Everybody's so busy. But taking the time to stand back and actually to have that perspective where you can look inwards at your own role, your team, your organisation and really take stock and think about where you're going. It's easy to get caught up in in, uh, the details. I definitely think that that happens to a lot of people. If you're a manager, of course, probably the most difficult decision you're going to have to make is 
to let somebody go, whether that's for performance or whether it's because the company is, is in financial difficulty uh, or, uh, and you have to you have to downsize. So what would be your tips to a manager who finds themselves in that situation and maybe is nervous about having to do it? How, how should one go about letting, yeah, uh, letting somebody go from the organisation? It's never easy, but unfortunately it is the role of a manager. Um, you know, sometimes we all have to do these things. Well, the first thing is, is obviously to get the, the formalities of it right, understand the terms and conditions of someone's contract, understand what their entitlements are. So be prepared would be number one. Number two is actually, have you had a conversation with with this person? You know, is this going to come as a complete shock? For example, if it's a performance issue, have you been giving this person feedback? You know, so many situations, you know, it's the first time the person's actually hearing it, even though they've been, you know, maybe maybe not being performing in the way that the manager wants for for some months, for some time. So what, you know, this type of, um, uh, you know, process shouldn't start with just the final meeting. It should be something that there's due process over time. People are given the opportunity. There's conversations happening. There's feedback happening. And then if it comes to the stage where there is, unfortunately, you reach that inevitable point. Again, it's it's, you know, it's it's to approach that with respect for the other person, you know, maintain their sense of dignity, do it in person as opposed to by email or by delegating it. There's just simple, basic, um, I suppose, dignity and respect approaches that someone needs to take and at least put yourself in that person's shoes and make it as uh, easy an exit as possible. We leave it there, Helen. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. That's Helen Brophy, Director of UCD Smurfit Executive Development. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.